with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? <laughs> no, I have no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another filmtastic, spiderific, monkey crazy episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight on the first half of this segment are two, count them, two of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and you call yourself the Shocker? Is that what you do? You go around and you shock people? What is this, pro wrestling? Well, up in web snappers, it's Justin. All right, so in case you haven't figured it out, a new feature film has come out recently featuring everybody's favorite web-slinging wall crawler. It is Spider-Man Homecoming, and when we learned that this film was announced uh, a while back. I know uh, a great many of the fan holes wanted to discuss this once we all saw it and it was out and everything. And sort of while it's still fresh in our minds, we all are here together and we decided we're going to sort of shoot the breeze about it. I don't think I want to bore anybody with a synopsis of the film or whatever, but, you know, I think it goes without saying that our discussion will probably involve spoilers and will probably involve, you know, what, what we thought of the film and everything. But, I mean, you know, long story short, you know, following the whole Captain America Civil War appearance of Spider-Man, and this directly ties into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because there's some you know, back-end deal with Sony and Marvel, and they've worked things out, and so now we've got an official, you know, Spider-Man within the Marvel Universe who's played by Tom Holland, and in this film, he, of course, runs into the evil machinations of Birdman, Michael Keaton himself, the Vulture, among, like, 50,000 other guys who are layered into this film. Um, but yeah, the Vulture's the main bad guy, and... I saw it Thursday night, like the, you know, the opening opening. And what, Mike, you saw this twice now? 
Yeah, I saw it like Thursday night, and then I just saw it like a few hours ago. Okay, and then and then what did you, did you see this on Saturday, Justin? Like, when did you see this? I saw this Friday night. Okay, cool, cool. So, I mean, I I, I guess just going into it, like I I I just I'll, I'll sort of lead off, but I mean, my my initial gut reaction was that this was a fun movie. I I had a good time watching it. I think the more I think about it, I don't know that it has a whole hell of a lot to do with Spider-Man. But, I mean, it is a fun movie. I mean, I did have a good time. Like, there's the potential for it to, to you know, have cool crossover with, you know, all these other Marvel characters and, and, and you know, obviously have, you know, future installments of, you know, a Spider-Man film franchise and everything. And And there were certainly some nice surprises and twists in the film, I think, you know, coming from a a comic book background, you know, you, you have certain expectations and, and they sort of met them and twisted them all at the same time, I think, in terms of some of the plot developments that go on in the film. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think my, my charitable explanation of how I felt about the movie was that I enjoyed it. I probably have some, some nitpicky complaints mainly to do with like power sets and, and and webbing and things like that, you know, nerd nerd bullshit that always pisses me off about Spider-Man. But uh, overall, I I had a fun time watching the film and I I enjoyed myself. But I I, I guess I just turn to you two for your sort of general first impressions of Spider-Man: Homecoming. I'll, I'll let Mike go first because he's like the Spider-Man guru here. Yeah, I I generally have a pretty positive uh what do you call view of it like after seeing it twice and I do have those niggles too and like especially about like some supporting characters and yeah like I don't know his power set and stuff like that but like honestly like I think it like I was having so much fun that I was like you know willing to let some of that stuff slide mm. Like, you know, I assume you might be referring to, like, Michael Keaton Vulture being able to cut Spider-Man's webbing with all a knife. They, all they had to do to make <laughs> me happy, like, that pissed me off so much. Like, beyond, I mean, I know I know you brought up on Bot Talk, like, where's the Spider-Sense, bro? Like, where did it go? You know? <laughs> but beyond that, like, I, I was just like, okay, he just cut his webbing with a fucking knife. I'm like, you can't do that, man. Like, it's fucking well, webbing. I guess, like, uh, if you want to be charitable, you can say it was a Chitari switchblade. Well, see, that's that's a thing. If they had just, like, had a little, like, purple glow by it, like, I would have been totally cool with it. Like, but it, it very much just seemed like it was, you know, an average generic blade that he used. And I, if, if, if it had little, like you know, ceremonial squiggles of Jatari on it, or if they had made it glow purple, like I would have been totally cool with it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him a no prize benefit of the doubt. Like this is this is a a, a multi million dollar movie. They can give me a little purple squiggle or whatever when, when he cuts the webbing, you know? Yeah, and like I think we were kind of discussing on Bot Talk how like we didn't. No one's quite sure if he has like a spider sense yet. It's, like it's it's weird. Like they had to have uh, Kevin Feige give this stupid ass press release about. I mean, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I, I remember reading it where he's like, "Oh yes, he has spider sense," but since spider sense was so blatantly explored in the other films, we didn't want to put 
you know, a big, you know, hang a big lampshade on it. So we assume he has it, but, and it's natural and not related to his, you know, Tony Stark AI tech, but we'll probably explore it more in other films. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seemed like this totally, like, PC answer where, like, they woke up one morning and went, Oh yeah, we totally forgot he had that power. We better send out a press release to not piss off the nerds. You know, like, that's what it felt like, you know, when I read that, with that quote or whatever. Yeah. Like, I thought what you had said, you know, kind of hit the nail on the head on, when you mentioned on Bot Talk. I, I'm pretty sure it was you, Mike, where, where, you know, people were talking about spider sense and they're like, what do you mean? Like, of course he had spider sense. He was dodging things left and right. And, you know, we're just kind of like, I, I'm pretty sure you were the one who said it where you're like, uh, I think Vulture cutting like all those pillars with his fucking remote control, you know, Vulture, uh, you know, backpack blades or whatever they were, you know, like would have set off spider sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah, still, that would he's have still, been like, yeah, like the, the thing I think people don't get is just because his spider sense goes off doesn't mean he gets out of every jam he's in, but at least he could have been, you know, kind of in alert mode and not realize that the whole fucking building was about to collapse on him. You know, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was kind of saying, like, you know, the intensity of the spider sense kind of is supposed to change do, do like based on the severity of the mm. threat. So mm. it's not like you could say, like, you know, oh, well, my spider sense was on all the time because I was in the same room with, you know, the vulture or whatever. Like that should have like started to amp it up or something. Right, right. But I don't know. I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, some of that stuff I was willing to let slide. Yeah, and, yeah. For the most part, mostly because it was like, you know, the fun parts were fun. And like, I, I thought Tom Holland did a really good job. Like, I think he had a lot of personality. Uh, he had he had he had like, you know, he had the right attitude. I don't know, like how many like good quips they wrote for him, but he had like, you know, he was funny about like what material he was given. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... And uh I, I was super appreciative of I, what I took to be like the correct interpretation of like the Parker luck. Uh, like, yeah, I, yeah. like it's like not Peter doesn't look like a douche. Well, like he does, like he doesn't look like a douche because bad stuff happens to him. He looks like a douche because he's like, oh, I got to do the right thing and go be Spider Man. And I'm sorry, like, but you know, my loved ones are gonna suffer for this. But like, I got to go do the right thing. And it's right, not like, right. you know. Well, I mean, you know, like we said, this does go into spoilers, but the, the, the Parker luck holds true. It's, it's not, it's not so much that the audience sees him as a douche. We know he did the right thing by going after Adrian Toomes. You know what I mean? Like, but to, to the people who don't know who he is, to Liz Allen, you know, he, he does look like a douche and that's, that's the Parker luck, right? Like that's, that's what it is. Not that. He's just like, oh, uh, I'm unlucky. Bad things happen to my face, you know. Yeah, he's not. He's not <laughs> fucking Charlie. He's not fucking Charlie Brown. Okay, <laughs> right, it's like right, that's yeah. right. He's yeah. Peter Parker, not Charlie Brown. You know. So I I don't know if if we should because I I feel like Justin hasn't exactly given his first impression yet. So I I just want to make sure we we you know have an opportunity to hear Justin's first impression before we start delving into more more story specifics it it was all right it, it was fun but like i don't know there was <laughs> it's like it's like i want to quote, quote mike prime i'm like you monster you monster <laughs> you just thought it was okay oh my god 
Hey, Mar Mars said it was a perfect movie and the yeah. best Spider-Man movie ever. So Mars, clearly, Mars really liked this movie. He gave it a ten out of ten. That doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> that's like if you like take a slip of paper and write a thousand dollars on it. Like that doesn't mean it's a thousand dollars. I mean, it it was okay. Like like Derek said, it was fun, but there there was like a lot of small little stuff that just bothered me about it. It's like. You know the stuff with the suit, and then Spider-Man doesn't need a high-tech suit. I mean, like, and I and I get that they addressed that in the end, and I appreciated that. But like, he doesn't need like a drone that comes out and this, you know, he can see through its eyes. He doesn't need like AI to talk to and you know give him like sage advice about women and stuff. And there's character stuff too that kind of irritated me because it's like they were like, hey, let's like do stuff that's familiar but different because it's like. It, it, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, Ned Leeds is not an overweight Asian kid. And I know Mike had like a little like defense of this, like on the board where he was like trying to explain how they got to that point. And I, and I, and I get that. But when I see some of that stuff, I just see like the Bendis version of like Ultimate Spider-Man. Right, and I'm right. like, well, you know, Peter Parker doesn't need like a guy in a chair like directing him. Like he doesn't need like a bunch of like, you know, stupid moron idiots like chattering in his head like you know barry allen or arrow on those tv shows like that's like spider-man doesn't need any of that stuff but like 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 you guys were saying i did appreciate the stuff where they're like stuff they got right like the parker luck thing like like you were saying mike peter does things that are right and that ends up making him you know look like a jerk and it's like he's not a jerk but like you know doing the right thing you know like he was gonna like show up at that party and be like you know Hey Flash, I do know you know Spider Man, and then Spider Man shows up and he's like, "Hey, I know Peter Parker. See you guys, bye. You know, great party." Like he's gonna do that. He's he's struggling with that fact, and then like he sees the explosion, he's like, "Well, I gotta go check that out." You know, like the like that's the right thing for him to do. You know, never never mind like, you know, whatever Flash is saying and like whatever Ned's saying and all that stuff. I was just like, okay, like 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 they get that, but then it's like all this stuff with the suit and. All that nonsense. Like I was like, uh, I don't know. But I mean, other than that, like, yeah, it, it was fun. But like, it's not, you know, it like if you're gonna be like, oh, it's like the greatest Spider-Man movie ever. I'm like, I don't think so. Like, well, it's gotta be in your top ten Marvel movie, right? I'm like, I gonna doubt that too. You know, <laughs> it was it was okay. I I was gonna say it's like if they came out and definitely said that he did not have his spider sense like in this movie or this universe yet, then I would probably be a lot more forgiving of like all the mm. tech and the suit and stuff. But now that they since they gave that half-assed answer, now I'm like, yeah, I'm less forgiving of it basically. Yeah, it's funny if 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 they had been straight up honest and been like, well, he's growing into his powers and and he'll have his spider sense soon you know then then you would have been like oh okay there's there's this master plan going on and they sort of they sort of know what they're doing I, I i feel like justin brought up a lot of stuff that that i'd like to discuss like for for one thing like and and this may raise questions as well so feel free to address them as i as i kind of go through some of his points but the the first thing he mentioned was the you know ned lee the supporting character and, and mike will have to refresh my memory but that that's kind of the sort of amalgamation of you know what spectacular spider-man's ned lee and then the the character from ultimate spider-man what was miles's buddy's name i don't really remember it because i don't read the comic 
Something with a G, yeah. Oh, Gonke or oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonk or Gonk. I, don't, I don't know how yeah, to even yeah. pronounce that. Yeah, yeah something okay. like that. So, so, so my my thing about that is this: is that that's cool and that's fine, but I feel like you're kind of I don't want to say like jumping the shark because that's a TV metaphor, but like you're 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 counting your chickens before they're hatched type thing because like what it makes me feel like is. It's kind of like when you have Wolverine in the first X-Men movie, and he's a wild beast, and then he goes to being sort of like, you know, this essential, like, level-headed member of the team and, and participating in teamwork, as opposed to being a loner, right? That's his character arc, right? Well, that character arc is is kind of like the character arc he has in the Wolverine miniseries from Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, right? He's kind of a wild, crazy loner, and then goes to being like, oh, you know, now I'm a samurai, I have this honor, and this and that, and the other thing. And it's kind of like, well, guess what? When they finally did the Wolverine movie, it's like he had already really had that character arc. You know what I mean? So then it's like, well, what do you do when you adapt that film and you've already stolen the character arc? So, like, what was kind of going through my head when I saw, anytime I saw the Ned Lee character on screen is, like, if you're going to, like, ape a lot of these sort of Miles Morales' tropes from his series, it's like, what happens when they do that animated version of him on film and then, you know, Gonke or whatever his name is shows up and he's just like Ned Lee? Like, yeah, I kind of thought it's about like, doesn't, that. Doesn't yeah. that doesn't that burn the 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 bridge for that to happen? Like now, all of a sudden, is like Ned Leeds going to be his best friend? You know, Miles Morales' best friend instead, or whatever. Like you, it's like it's like you sort of like that's that's the pitfall of sort of adapting some of these these things before their time, because then when it comes time to adapt you know, the quote-unquote, the real comic arc, then then you've already sort of plucked the best fruit from the tree and you're left with this barren, kind of ugly-looking thing. You know, like, where you're like, oh, you've already yeah. taken all the good shit. You know? I, 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 like, first of all, let me say that, like, I loved Ned in this movie. Like, I thought he was hilarious. Like, some of the biggest laughs in the theater came from him. And, like, I like I loved his character. But I did have that thought about, like, Ganke and, like, you know, like, what what does that mean? for Like, basically, you know, they stole Mile Morales' like, best friend, right, basically. Right, exactly. So, but, but, um, I also see, like, why they, like, they gave Peter Parker like a friend like that because okay like in the amazing Spider-Man movies I think I mentioned this when we talked about them but like Peter's like only apparent friend is this hot girl he's like adore like he adores basically which is you know basically like all he needed but and then uh, like in the Raimi movies like Peter has Harry and Harry kind of adds too much baggage like when once you see harry you're like oh it's an osborne like well when when are pumpkin bombs gonna start flying or whatever and like i i think peter needed some kind of like confidant like that wasn't either you know an osborne or a hot girl basically and like i think ned fulfills that like uh that that requirement and i i i don't think this version of ned is going to be throwing pumpkin bombs or anything so like <laughs> well yeah. that 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 was that was going to be my next question is like you do see the people who are not as familiar with 
Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Gonke and those characters, and and they only make the connection that you know Ned Leeds was was sort of altered for this movie, and then all of a sudden you know people have this image in their head of the Hobgoblin with a big tummy and you know building Lego <laughs> Death Stars or whatever you know, and that that they go down that road where you're like, no, I don't think that's the road they're going to travel, but you know you know, go ahead and have your extreme It can be, can be the hobo goblin, just <laughs> right, like in right, fan right. fixes as yes, a child. Yes, exactly. He's I, fat from all that hobo cuisine. I, I do, I, I hope this is sort of serious, but I, I do kind of want to bring up sort of a serious question. And it, while I do like this film and I had a lot of fun watching it, there, there was something I couldn't quite put my finger on of why it bothered me. And it wasn't because, you know, uh, vulture cut webbing with a knife and it wasn't because I didn't see spider sense or whatever, but there was something that was, I just felt like it was on the tip of my tongue and it was decidedly unspiderman like. And after having a couple days to sort of dwell on it, I, I think what it is, is that I've always, I mean, you know, I, I know people are tired of seeing uncle Ben get murdered and I know people are tired of with great power comes great responsibility, but that's the whole impetus for him to do what he does, right? And since they excised it, I don't have a problem that they excised it because they wanted to kind of get into another story, but I do kind of have a problem with the fact that the beginning of the story, since it sprung out of Civil War... And because of the tie to Tony Stark and all this other stuff, like, it seemed like his primary goal in life was to be Spider-Man and to be a hero. And, like, for some reason, like, there, there's something about that that seemed inherently wrong to me. Like, because he, you know, Spider-Man does what he does. I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, like, uh, he eventually does what he does out of a sense of responsibility and and remorse and regret and all this like that's the underlining layer like you can have a fun Spider-Man movie and it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom like this movie was and we see that Tom Holland's playing like a good kid like he's helping the lady across the street who bought him a churro and all that shit like I get it they did some good things with it but at the same time I I kind of felt like this is almost like a film version of, you know, and I, I hate to bring it up, but this is kind of a film version of the ultimate Spider-Man that kids are seeing on TV. You know, like he's got all these high-tech gadgets and he kind of has that ADD sense of attention where like everything's a brand new shiny thing and he's going in all these different directions and stuff and he doesn't quite know what he wants to do. And I guess that's fine when you're a teenager, but it, it just felt like, it wasn't quite how I see Spider-Man, you know, when, when he comes to his, his sort of path in life where he's not, he's not a guy who wanted to be responsible, but he is, if that makes any sense. Whereas in this case, it, it was like all those kind of sequences with like, Hey, happy, what's up, man? Like, uh, when's the next mission? Like, hey, Happy, this is Peter. It's like 2.30, I'm getting off of school. Like, when's the next mission? And it's just like, he he almost like shut off his personal life just to be on call, to be like an Avenger-ish kid. And like, I, I, I don't know. 
it's like it's like he had this extended period of being the guy who wanted to make money in a wrestling ring, except for it was applied to the Avengers. And like that feels weird because even though he sort of rejects all that at the end of the movie, like you know he's gonna be in like the Infinity War and all this other shit. So it's like I don't know, like there there's something about that whole thing that feels weird to me. And I'm kinda I'm kinda curious if if you guys saw that or if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying because, like, I, I don't have a problem with Uncle Ben and that part of the origin being left out. But it's kind of like, you know, that's where Pete gets, like, his wisdom and that's who he thinks of when he's, like, struggling with a decision, right? But it's kind of like, you know, Uncle Ben is missing. Well, in this film, it's kind of like Tony Stark is, like, the missing parental figure. I mean, he's not dead, but he's, you know... He's not. He's someone that Peter talks to and gets advice from sporadically, and that's who he's kind of like aspiring to be, right? So I'm kind of like I I didn't really like that aspect. I mean, I like in the comics like when Tony Stark treats Peter Parker like like he should be treated like a smart person because Peter Parker is a very smart person. You know, he developed the web shooters and all that. And I like it when guys like Tony Stark and Reed Richards give Peter Parker his due, but I don't know. I kind of get what Derek's saying because I, when I was watching it, I was like, I'm not really crazy about like him being so like crazy about like getting all this advice from Iron Man and like, and taking orders from like Tony and happy. Like when he was like texting happy and, you know, like, you, clearly you could see, like, he was going through his phone. He had no replies, and he was, like, constantly giving updates. I was just like, dude, like, why bother? Like, they do not give, like, one crap about you. They just, like, you're like a fish on the line, and they're, they're just going to reel you in whenever it's convenient for them. So, like, you know, there's that little scene where, like, after the ferry incident and everything, Peter's, like, really mad. And I was like, good, like, he should be mad. Like, I would be mad. And then when he was like, you know, if you cared, you would be here right now. And I was just like, yeah, you tell him. And then, then and then Iron Man walks out of the suit, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> but I, I was kind of I was kind of glad that, like, he stood up for him because, like, they kind of, like, blew him off for, like, most of the movie. But, yeah, like, I, I that, get what Derek's saying. It, it's it, it, that that's another thing that's so weird about it because they they tried really really hard to make this a fun movie and also they tried really really hard to make it completely different from the five other Sony Spider-Man films like purposely and and so there is that aspect to it that's a very forced different feel and and then coming off of the 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 quote-unquote baggage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe I'm not I'm not decrying the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'm just saying the baggage is this takes place after Civil War. This takes place in a period where in that universe, the the Sokovia Accords are in place, right? So you have to imagine the only reason why Peter Parker isn't in fucking jail or at the bottom of the fucking ocean right now is because Tony is basically either taking responsibility for him or at least... You know, anytime General Ross or somebody out there is like, get this weird spider kid out of the picture, like, lock him up or whatever. It's like, no, 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 it's cool. He's with me. Like, we, we, me and Happy, we've got it. Like, he's a good kid. Like, you know, we're, we're keeping an eye on him. Like, there's no reason to, 
to put this kid in jail or whatever. You know, like that, that, I mean, it's never mentioned, but like you have to assume that he's definitely playing field interference for the real fucking world for this story to take place. And like, then when that, like, that was one of the things where I think, even though I tried to avoid seeing the trailer and a lot of people have mentioned, Oh, seeing the trailer didn't spoil the story at all. And I, I sort of, I understand what people are saying when they said that, but I have to admit the minute I saw the Staten Island ferry, all I could think of is the shot in the trailer where he's, you know, Spider-Man's trying to desperately keep it together. So I totally knew what was going to happen like 20 minutes before it happened. You know what I mean? Like I, I already yeah. knew that part of it. So that, that part of it was, was one was a sort of a little flat for me only because I, you know, through no fault of the movie, it was just through my own, you know, you know, God damn it. I saw the trailer and I know where this is going. And then on top of that, it, it's got that whole civil war feeling where you're like, Oh, you know, holy crap. By the grace of God, you know, nobody died in that bank robbery with the weird vulture weapons or Chitari weapons or whatever. And Oh, by the grace of God, you know, n- nobody died or drowned or, you know, even the stupid fucking scorpion didn't die in that Staten Island ferry crap, which could have totally been had he not had Spider-Man fan aura. Like, if that was the new Warriors <laughs> in the Staten Island ferry, like, everybody would be dead and drowned. And then they'd be <laughs> yeah. doing, like, Civil War Two, Electric yeah. Boogaloo or whatever, you know? And in this case, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Tony's got his shit together, he seals up the the Staten Island Ferry, everybody's fine, and instead of the black guy going, yeah, Spider-Man, you know, it's the dude go like, yeah, Iron Man, or whatever, you know, but yeah. but there is that weird sort of nasty undercurrent to it where you're, you're kind of like, I, I get what Justin's saying, like, because they were kind of keeping him strung on the line like a fish, and they'll use him when it's convenient for them type thing, but then there's also that aspect of, like, Holy crap, dude, like, like, if you're really responsible for him, why don't you train him not to fuck up like these other guys? You know what I mean? Like, 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 I mean, I get that he had the suit and all that stuff, but it's just like, you know, like, you know, some, you know, I get, and I also kind of get in the back of my head, like, Tony's probably worried about fucking Thanos and all this other fucking horse shit that he's having, like, reoccurring nightmares about, which they don't go into either. So, obviously, his attention is divided, right? Like, into a billion different things. But, you know, it was just one of those things where, from a purely Peter Parker-centric story, and we're following him as the protagonist, like, you do get the idea of, why, why don't they spend a little more time with this kid, you know, like, because clearly, like, even by the end of it, they all acknowledge he's a good kid, and he, you know, kind of has the stuff, it's just, you know, there, there were certain things that needed to be said and done before you know, that sort of took place, and like, you know, some some of the ways they got there were a little... It, it, they they didn't need to happen that way, you know. Like it could have been nicer, but then you wouldn't have had this kind of dramatic story, I guess. This conflict that's I, inherent well, with with movies, you know. Well, what you said about like you know the the theme of like responsibility and like that feeling you had, like I feel like yeah, they probably should have reinforced that a little bit more. But like in Civil War, like Tony, you know, asks him why he's doing this. And he, you know, he he says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Only he doesn't say it. He says, you know, basically like that and more words. But um, I guess 
I would say like that Peter sees being Spider-Man as his like, you know, his way of like making up for Uncle Ben. And so like Spider-Man being a, an Avenger is probably like, you know, 10 times that. So that's probably why I think he's so, you know, like adamant about proving himself like worthy of being like an Avenger and stuff. And, but I do, I do think the movie did not make that very clear or like, you know, didn't go that deep into it basically. Yeah. I I think they were definitely concentrating on focusing on the fun aspect to, to worry about too much of the, I think, I think also too, that, that veneer of fun really helps with the, the turn with, with Adrian Toomes, basically, like, because I got to admit, I mean, I, I think you said you saw that coming like a mile away. And I, I think just because I'm such comic nerd and, you know, we're all thinking, oh, like Norman Osborn and this and that. Like, I don't think it occurred to me that Michael Keaton's daughter was going to turn out to be Liz Allen and that whole personal dynamic was going to be going on for you know, basically the the third act of the film, you know, that it was going to be this yeah. very, very kind of, you know, heated and personal and, and, you know, all the undertones that comes with that where, you know, Peter knows a secret, but he can't, ba- like, like, it's, it's one thing that he can share the secret with, with Ned Lee and, and, you know, they can run around and he can be the guy in the chair and all that other stuff. But it's another thing when he walks into that homecoming dance and he's like, well, as of right now, I can't tell anybody shit. I only can rely on myself. And my moral compass is telling me I can't just go in there and have fun and ignore it. I need to, you know, stop this guy now, you know, and everything else. Be yeah. And again, you know, that comes back to the whole Parker luck. He's he's doing the right thing, but it, it's going to be at the cost of him having a good time that night. It's going to be at the cost of of, you know. Uh, any relationship he's going to have with Liz Allen and, and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, like I, I didn't so much like think I see like him being Liz's well, like dad, like uh, coming like specifically, but you know, they bring up his kid in the very first scene. And then like, you know, they, there's a couple scenes where they mention his wife and like, you know, like filmmaking one oh one, it's like, you know, Chekhov's gun basically. Like you don't bring stuff like that up. And, you know, when he brings up, you know, I have to protect my family and I'm like, okay, well, what's like, I almost thought he was going to be like Michelle's like dad or something like that, because I was kind of like, what's what's her deal, basically? And I'm sure we'll get into her eventually. But like, I I was kind of like, what purpose does she serve in this movie other than being like, you know, pretty funny and stuff? But. But, you know, when, once I saw it, like, it was a great moment. Like, I could hear the audience all gasp, like, when he opened that door and, like, Michael Keaton was, like, standing there or whatever. So, like, it was a really great, like, film moment. But I was kind of like, where's I was I was thinking there's going to be something more to him, basically. What did you guys think about all the I, I, I don't know how to put this delicately, but but the the sprinklings of of other Spider-Man characters in this film whether you thought they were like planting the seeds for for sequels or or maybe there's just a whole lot of small villain fan service thrown into this film i guess i i, I don't know how to put it anyway other oh, than that and for like for well for one one part of me appreciates this but like on the other side like on the other half of that is because of all like you know the ethno swap rays or whatever going around it's like sometimes i was kind of like 
who is that supposed to be? And like, like you, you can't really identify a lot of the, like his classmates and stuff like that. Like that, that Asian girl who's in his class is supposed to be Cindy moon, like silk, but like, because she, like mm. everyone else was like ethno swap. That was like, well, who's she supposed to be like, but she, she, she had, she had the right ethnicity. So like, I didn't even guess that basically. It's funny too because you start to wonder. To to me, I start to wonder if it's like the first X Men film where they cast like everybody and their brother as like you know Jubilee and Kitty Pride and all these other <laughs> background characters, you know Pyro and whoever. But then by the time they actually get around to doing a movie with Cindy Moon, it's like gonna have to be you know recast as some you know totally like big name you know yeah. Hollywood actress or something like that. And then this this poor girl who plays like a bit role is just gonna be like, Oh yeah, what, whatever. That was, that was not, you know, no. like, like I kind of felt like, uh, Michelle, I'm going to call her was, um, was like the Jenny Olsen of this movie where it's like, they wanted her to be MJ, just like they wanted Jenny Olsen to be the female Jimmy Olsen, but they sort of backpedaled out of it. So that basically if, if I'm a grumpy comic nerd fanboy that's like, that's not Mary Jane, you know, then I can sit there and be that guy and say, you know, well, that's Michelle. And she also goes by MJ. And I'm just going to stick my head in the sand like a goose and be like, ma, 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 ma. But if for all these other people that desperately want, you know, Zendaya to be Mary Jane Watson, you know, even though she's not, because she's Michelle, but if they want her to be, because she said her name was MJ, you know, it's like, like you were saying, uh, what's his nuts, uh, uh, I can't think of his name now, um, Looper guy is, is, uh, my, you know, my name's Rob. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> I know, felt like, like. like. I was like, um, oh, you didn't, because I, like, I legitimately liked her character, like, I thought she was funny, and, like, you know, she was, she was, like, kind of cool, but, like, that last scene where she's like, oh, you can call me MJ, I'm like, is that really necessary, like, I don't know, like, that that was, like, totally unnecessary, I mean, audiences can handle, like, a new character, I mean, it's not, uh, but, I don't know, Justin, what do you think about that? I, I was just like, I was just like, <laughs> Okay, you, <laughs> you know, she was like, "Oh, you, my friends call me MJ," and I was just like, "What? What?" I was just like, "What?" And then I was like, "Okay, that's that's fine. You, you know, you want to be called MJ? I'm not going to call you that. I'm going to call you Hoodrat because Mary Jane <laughs> is like a supermodel." Uh, <laughs> uh, like I, I kind of felt that way about like. Like even like the Scorpion and 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 Shocker and everybody who was like you know kind of like the little supporting you know kind of you know basically the Vulture's crew the the Tinkerer and 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 uh, I I was like wow like Donald Glover has fallen low enough it's like he really wanted to be Spider Man but he'll settle for being the Prowler's like you know gangbanger uncle or whatever in this movie no he's he's ultimate prowler right right so like uh, yeah who is miles morales's uncle right so i was just kind of like okay you know like i i kind of like those little bits with betty brant and like the awkwardness of like you know a high school like news broadcast but Mm -hmm. then i was like well why the fuck is she blonde like that's (laughs) not betty and then I'm like, oh, is she gonna marry like this version of Ned? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> my my, I, I I didn't really care so much that she was blonde, but I was just like, 
why the fuck is she in high school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she should quit right uh, now. At the very least, she was on like the news or whatever. Yeah, so I thought that yeah. was like kind of a nod yeah. to her being like a reporter. But yeah, let yeah. me. I'll just like while we're on this subject, like the one thing I can't I hated about the movie was like Flash Thompson. Basically, mm. like I that was. They they could have like you said, Derek. Like if they just changed one thing, they could have avoided my annoyance. Like if they just named that character like Lance Bannon, like it would have been fine. But like they named him Flash Thompson because obviously he's a more well known character. But that's not at all like who Flash Thompson is, other yeah. than like being a bully, like in the most general sense. You you know what I'm kind of surprised about, like to be honest, like. If he was named, and I know you're gonna guys are gonna freak out, but if that kid was named Harry Osborn, I I kind of would have got it from having read those issues of Spidey, like because yeah. it seemed yeah, like that that, that, that would work it, too. It seemed yeah. like that was in line with something they were trying to set up in that comic book, where you know the common father son dynamic was not going to be cornrows, but that they were both you know, kind of Indian descent, you know, and, and that you're like, oh, yes, I can see the, the father-son resemblance quite clearly between, you know, Norman and Harry or whatever. And so, like, when I when I saw him, I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, Penis Parker, you know, like, oh, he's, he's is he Harry? And it's like, nope, he's Flash Thompson. And I was just kind of like, okay, like, all right, like, yeah, it was, it was, well, it's like they combined Flash Thompson and Harry into one character almost. Mm. But and not even like too well, but like like even Amazing Spider-Man like like they had like flat their Flash was in like three scenes and they still managed to show like a deeper layer to him. Like this Flash was just a douche like through and through and I have no interest in seeing him redeemed because of that one scene where he's you know like save my trophy or whatever like like i don't want to i don't want to see more of him have we have we exhausted everything are there any other topics you guys want to go on to before we sort of wrap up the the homecoming talk back you know what i was thinking of like what you were saying about like spider-man like fan aura and like it's a good thing no one died like when the friggin engine fell out of the plane i was like oh, yeah, yeah, i hope yeah, that, yeah, didn't, yeah, land. I was, I hope that didn't land on anyone yeah because you're sitting there thinking like oh well as long as they're over the ocean it's cool because nobody but namor is going to get conked on the head right but like i was looking at it and i'm like holy shit like that's not even i mean he had to turn the wing just to get to the 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 fucking fairgrounds and shit you know like what it, it was what like coney island or some shit that they landed in so it's like you're like sitting there going like well, wait a minute where do you're like where the fuck did that land you know what i mean like it's like you know like fucking eddie brock's gonna come into the sony franchise where he's gonna be like I was totally minding my own business when this engine dropped on me and stubbed my toe, and then I got an alien costume and bodybuilded, and now I hate you. I did like where they had, like, stupid dumb Ultron's head in a box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this thing? Yeah. You know, I though I'm trying to think of some other things that I liked. Like I liked like Happy Hogan's role on this movie. Like for the most part, like I think I, like I like John Favreau's like portrayal of him, and like I thought he he did a good job of being like some comedy relief, basically. And uh, um, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh, you know, know what really like made me happy when like the classic 
Spider-Man theme started up yeah. over like the yeah. Marvel logo. The Marvel like logo. I was like, oh, nice, like yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I've been kind of humming that to myself. Like not not only because I was listening to Saturday Morning Fever today. That's a podcast where they were talking about the Spider-Man '67 animated series, but also because I when I saw that Thursday night, like hearing that orchestral version of it, it kind of brought back the whole. You know, like in the original Iron Man, when they had the sort of orchestral, you know, Marvel superheroes Iron Man theme playing in the background, like it, yeah. it kind of felt like, uh, uh it, it, almost like a a callback to that as well. And like you're sitting there going, "Wow, this is great!" Like hearing an orchestra play that, you know, you're yeah, like, like, you're like I, I had a big stupid grin on yeah, my face yeah, when that, that started was, that playing. Was nice. Yeah, that was really cool. I I liked all the uh cap jokey stuff, you know, with the. Yeah, the the yeah the, that was great. Yeah, the monitors and stuff. Like I loved when the the stupid coach was like, you know, it's like I'm here with your good pal, like, you know, and it's like Cap points to like points the, wrong to the wrong side, side of the TV, <laughs> you know, and it's like stupid coach couldn't even be bothered to stand on the right side of the goddamn television set, and he's like, I don't really care about this guy. He's probably like a war criminal now, but <laughs> do what he says, you know, and stuff. So I, I like I thought all that stuff was pretty funny. <laughs> I liked I liked the detention one where Cap like sat down. And he was like, "Sup? Like you're in detention, and that's not cool." Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like funny. he's trying to relate to the the youth of today or yeah, something. Like, yeah, I thought that yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, something that I thought was kind of irritating, and I get I get why they had to address it, but like, I I didn't really like the fact that like everyone wanted to bang Aunt May. Ah. Uh. That the, the the little Thai delivery boy was giving her like free pudding and stuff like that was <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, I mean I, that that went a little overboard in places. Like I don't know what like what are you guys expecting out of sequels now? I I, I feel like it's so weird because you you have a character who essentially is supposed to be grounded and street level to to a degree right spider-man is kind of a friendly neighborhood hero right and so you've been introduced to him in a big mega internal struggle between two opposing groups of avengers right which is epic then you've had this film which is you know obviously it's a day in the life like there's a little more street level and groundedness to it but the actual sort of inciting incidents and and action, you know, revolves around the larger Marvel universe and has that sort of austere of, oh, look, it's all the Ultron bots, it's all the Chitauri weapons, it's all the, it, they, they you know, uh, happy, you know, name drop the Hulkbuster armor. So you, you, you have this feeling of there's, there's a lot of bigger stakes involved in this heist than just, it's not just a plane with some fucking gold bricks on it, like, this is conceivably, you know, elevated to, you know, world-shattering type of stuff, right? And then you're going to basically have him in two Avengers movies where he's probably going to end up going to the other end of the fucking cosmos and potentially, you know, smack Thanos in the face, right? And then what? Then there's going to be a sequel where he fights the fucking Tinkerer? Like... I I don't know, dude. Like like I I I don't know what I expect. Like like yeah. you know, it's 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 like if you if you if you go back to basics for the sequel, like hopefully it'll 
be as fun as this, but I, I don't know if in terms of escalation, if there's going to be a, a profound sense of disappointment because they need to invent stakes that are higher, but they can't achieve or 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 if there's if there's something where you know they can actually pull off what Whedon said he wanted to do with the second Avengers film but didn't really do which was make it personal you know like make it more about the characters so I I don't know it seemed almost like he would they were trying to like build another like sinister six almost but hmm. like hmm. I don't I don't see them able to introduce three more like Spider-Man villains in the next movie in addition to like Scorpion who hmm. was just you know kind of you know he wasn't really Scorpion yet in right, this movie right. so I don't like I think the best thing they could do was bring back Michael Keaton for the next one like if they're going to you know, they they spent so much time with them. They might as well like if they don't want to deal with the Osborns just yet, then they might as well just use you know Vulture as his like big bad for a while. Yeah, I wonder if they could get away with like you're saying, introducing some more villains and and having it be like a team thing with Vulture leading them or something like that. Yeah, I I don't know what they've got planned, but like for me, like I kind of like to see either Craven or Mysterio like show up because mm-hmm. I've always liked those two, and we've not seen like a live action version. But I don't want both of them in the same movie. Like just one of them. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's the balancing act, basically. This may be kind of sidestepping the issue, or at least bringing another another wrinkle into the mix. But what what do you guys think about the whole? Like Tom Hardy as Venom and Venom having his own movie. And it seemed like they kind of went back and forth with the PR. Like at one point I was reading, it would have nothing to do with the Spider-Man movies from Marvel and Sony. And then all of a sudden it seemed like they backpedaled and were like, oh yes, it's totally going to tie into the Spider-Man movies. Like, that that seems to be kind of problematic in general, but th- would that have any impact on something you'd like to see or, or you know, ba- basically I guess what I'm getting at is just because they have two Spider-Man sequels lined up with Tom Holland, like conceivably, like we're saying, they could have a Silk movie, they could have like some kind of silver sable black cat movie or some kind of venom movie like where they're trying to i think i think they do they are like planning a silver sable black cat movie yeah like all these licenses that they have sort of lined up to sort of you know have their own sets of franchises that are sort of peripherally related to spider-man i guess i mean if you take the spider symbol off Venom, I mean, you could, you, I guess he has, like, nothing else to do with Spider-Man unless, like, you tie his origin in with him. But I, I don't know. I think, I mean, if you could do something, like, tie, like, do, you know, Eddie Brock finds an alien symbiote or whatever. But then, I, I don't know, either you have to make Eddie Brock, like, a decent protagonist or, you know, it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I, I could see it being super problematic to to do something like that, especially to try to make it have the semblance of being standalone while retaining connectivity to possibly Spider-Man and, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large, you know? 
I, I don't really have any interest in a, a Venom movie or, or even like a Black Cat Silver Sable movie. Um, I think this is like another case where they're just jumping like two steps ahead and like mm, counting their mm. chickens before they hatch. Like, you know, they, they had all these plans when Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out and then like they immediately scrapped those, you know, because they wanted to do a Sinister Six right, movie. Right, yeah. They wanted to do like two more sequels and then another spinoff of something else. And, you know, they were like they... I mean, I get why they're so focused on this thing, but like, I think they're, you know, I think they're missing the forest for the trees. It's nice to have plans in advance, but don't like, you know, fo- you know, focus on one thing first and then get that right, or at least get it as right as you possibly can, and then maybe think about like the next step. Right. Yeah. No, I I, I get what you're saying. You know, have a good have a good Justice League movie before you start slating Cyborg for. 2019 or whatever the fuck yeah 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 people need to start stop jumping the gun yeah no i get it i get it all right well i'd say like most of us at least you know i i know we're we're getting nitpicky and nerdy and that's what we do and and we're we're kind of poking holes in things but i mean overall i i think we all had a fun time watching the film you know despite any reservations and stuff like you know i i think i think we'd say that you know me and mike probably maybe liked the film a little more than justin but overall i think we all kind of thought the film was you know okay to pretty fun so i mean with with some reservations so that you know it's obviously we don't think it's a 10 out of 10 but you know it's probably not you know you know at least you know what like seven or an eight right like something something being being entertaining went a long way for this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, I, I was willing to forgive a lot, like, of things I might have had quibbles with, like, because it was so funny and entertaining. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, you guys know I'm a big Spider-Man fan, and I know you guys are big Spider-Man fans, and like, we we all have strong feelings on them. And like, I get kind of uppity when people are like, "Well, who cares about Flash Thompson?" And I was like, "Well, I care about Flash Thompson," you know, yeah, like, yeah. like who cares what that guy character is like? Well, like, you know, some of us like are attached to the way those characters were originally portrayed, so. You know, I, I, I'm also willing to accept new versions if I think they have merit. And, you know, some of the, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I'd say that the version of Vulture is fairly new for this cinematic universe. And I'd say that I did enjoy Michael Keaton's portrayal. Yeah. Like, even though it wasn't, you know, I, I'm not a slave to the source material. Like, just because he's not, you know, bald and looks like a freaking, you know, I don't know you know, creepy old, you know, witch of the West or whatever, you know, like Adrian Toomes used to look, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it doesn't, he, it didn't have to be Patrick Stewart in a fucking boa, you know, like for, <laughs> for me to like, you know, approve it. Right. Like, like I, I enjoyed this interpretation of the vulture. He's, he's kind of a technological vulture. He's, he's picking up the, the roughage of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, I, I thought it was kind of clever. I think, you know, obviously when Michael Keaton needs to be deathly serious, I mean, you know, just like, you know, his 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 various roles over the years. Yes, he started out as a comedian, but he had plenty of, 
of cool, you know, serious roles where he played like serial killers and all this other stuff, you know? So it's like when he turns on a dime and, and tells, you know, Peter, like, you fuck with me and my family, I'm going to fucking kill you, you know? And then you're like, whoa, like, okay, I believe you, you know? So, so, you know, in that sense, you know, that's, that's, well, that's why I was saying, I think it's like the best thing they could do for a sequel is get Keaton back and make him like, you know, Peter Parker's like big bad, mm-hmm. like overreaching big bad. But yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, he was good that like stuff like that. Like, like, like I said, I thought Ned was super entertaining. Like no matter what he, you know, if he stole Miles Morales's best friend and, you know, I don't give a shit if like, he's not exactly like the Ned lead leads of the comics. Cause like that guy didn't have like, like <laughs> he didn't really even have a personality outside of like, I like Freddy, like shut up Peter or whatever. But yeah, I mean, stuff like that, I don't care about. But when some like, you know, when you do I like that stuff like Michelle saying her name is MJ and like Flash Thompson, like only being a very loose portrayal of himself. Like, that's what I care about. So so you heard it here first. Stay away from the small villain fan service that doesn't go anywhere, but keep making interesting new interpretations of characters and putting new and clever spins on things. And I think people will keep coming so i i think that's gonna wrap things up for this half of the show i won't have a sign off here because i think some of us will be on the other half of the show but on the other side after this commercial break what you're gonna hear is some of us getting together and we're planning on talking about war for the planet of the apes so stay tuned and we'll have some thoughts on that for you in a few minutes take care guys so we're gonna be working together Really? Worst film you ever saw. Well, my next one will be better. It's the Film and Water Podcast. The Film and Water Podcast covers movies new and old, classic and uh, not so classic. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, available weekly on fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Hey guys, welcome back to this second half of Fanholes Podcast, and as promised, Justin and myself are back, and we're here to discuss our thoughts on War for the Planet of the Apes, which is the third film in a rebooted, revised trilogy of the Planet of the Apes from 20th Century Fox, and, you know, we're we're, we're probably not going to go into any in-depth synopsis of of the film or anything but you know rest assured or be advised you know there there are going to be sort of obviously spoilerific discussion terms so if you you know if you haven't if you haven't seen the film obviously you know it's probably not a good idea to keep listening to us babble on about it but we're gonna we're gonna get into some spoilers and some specifics i assume as we as we discuss our thoughts on the film and th- this was something that both justin and i were looking forward to watching and you know we definitely wanted to get together and talk about it once we had both seen it now i i saw it the opening thursday night or whatever it was you know the the preview night and that was uh, you know i think what now you know pulling back the veil that was maybe a couple weeks ago and i guess justin you just saw this last night yes yeah yeah okay so it's probably going to be more fresh in justin's mind than it is in mine but you know i i I have seen it and you know I, i i mean i guess i guess just to get my quick immediate thoughts out of the way without spoilers i mean my general take on the film is it was a very good 
drama. The acting was very good. The special effects were impeccable. You know, you never once thought you were watching a bunch of CGI apes running around. I felt like I was certainly emotionally invested in the characters and everything. But having gotten all, like, the positive stuff out of the way, I I did kind of feel like, I want to say it had a lot of small villain nods to the original films, but I almost feel like they're Gotham, like, bang-you-on-the-head nods to the original film. Like, they were just smacking you in the face with a bag of rocks or something like that. So there there were aspects like that for me where I just kind of thought it was maybe overdone. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's that that was some yeah. of my takeaway from it where, you know, you know, like I said, I, you know, just giving immediate thoughts to start with and then, you know, we can, you know, start getting into the spoilers and the specifics of that, but that that was kind of my gut reaction to it. And then I I, you know, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I was I watched some of those Jeremy Johns reviews because I know you liked his reviews and everything. And, you know, I watched the spoiler-free one, and then I watched the the one with spoilers and everything. And I I, I don't know if he was the first person to mention this because I I feel like I I heard this maybe on uh, Paul Spataro's Is It Jaws, where they basically rate films on the Jaws scale, and they were were reviewing the the rise of the Planet of the Apes. And I feel like his co-host for that episode mentioned something similar, like that it, you know, it's called War for the Planet of the Apes, but it's not quite a war, you know? And and so I guess my my only other, you know, sort of non-spoilery kind of opinion about the film is, you know, I think Jeremy John said, you know, it should have been called Internment for the Planet of the Apes or Internment Camp on the Planet of the Apes or something like that. But I, I almost felt like I was trying to come up with like, you know, more, more clever things to, you know, more clever movies to combine it with. But like, for me, I was just kind of like, what is this? Like the passion of the Caesar or like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you, you know, like there, there were lots of yeah. aspects to it where it's like, clearly it was, you know, dramatic, like, like you'd have to sort of have a, a black coal for a heart if you did not become emotionally engaged with some of the, the kind of gut wrenching and heartbreaking things that happen to these characters, especially if you've been following them now for what, like three movies. But it, it, it is one of those things where you feel like it's, it's a gross uh, misrepresentation of the title. Like it's not, it's not this big action movie where there's you know it, and, and it's not even uh a drama where there is a bunch of warfare it's it's more like you know it's like you know i don't know holocaust on the planet of the apes or you know like i said you know to me i i, I thought especially you know i guess starting now maybe to get into some some spoilers you know it's like when we, when you see caesar up on that sort of cross you know and and you know obviously other apes were were hung up that way as well but you know caesar in particular being singled out and kind of you know basically made to stay out the whole night and, you know, have no food or water or anything like that. You know, they're basically trying to break his spirit and kill him, you know? And in that sense, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with the whole passion of the Caesar thing, you know, cause I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, like literally, you know, <laughs> like, like that, that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, super, super heavy stuff, but also kind of definitely like, you know, 
very much taking the bag of shit and shoving it in your nose, kind of going, see, see, like, look, look what we're going for here, you know, and I'm like, all right, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it, you can, you can take the bag away now, thank you, I understand what you're going for, you know, so. I think my, my initial reaction, just like having seen it, like, I liked it, but I don't think it's something I'm going to sit down and rewatch very often. You know, like if it's on TV, I'm probably not going to just sit down and like watch it. Like, I feel like I have to be like in the mood or in like right frame of mind. Like it's, it's not like Schindler's list or grave of the fireflies where I'm like, you know, I was like, Oh boy, I'm going to sit down and rewatch grave of the fireflies. Right, right. And, and, but but it is, but it is kind of like a Hollywood summer version of those films in yeah, a weird way, kinda. where where you kind yeah. of I, I i see exactly what you're saying it's not it, it, i i'm not upset that i saw this movie i don't think like i said i think the special effects were good i think the acting was good i i think some of the screenwriting was a little over the top you know but i mean even the directing and the visuals and everything like like you know the cinematography like all that kind of stuff i think was probably top notch it's just the subject matter is not the same kind of subject matter you typically get in kind of a summer blockbuster movie and again like those things you mentioned the films you mentioned you know schindler's list and you know the the grave of the fireflies like things that that people watch maybe once in their lifetime and and appreciate and and you know hold in uh, a sense of reverence to but it's not something that you know it's like oh every weekend you're like hey guess what i'm popping in <laughs> you know i'm gonna watch me some grave of the fireflies like oh boy you know it's like one of those things where you're like look dude like i've seen it you know i bawled my eyes out and and, and all that stuff and it's like that's kind of enough you know and and i i kind of yeah i kind of see what you're saying with this where it's like you know maybe if you do like this this kind of trilogy marathon thing where it's like oh you watch rise you watch um what was the other one? Dawn. You watch Rise, you watch Dawn, and then you watch War. You know, maybe you watch all three of them together, you know, to get some kind of context, you know, in, in sequence or whatever. But I mean, other than that, yeah, I don't I don't see myself revisiting this a great deal. And I, I, I kind of found it fascinating that people still want to like I, I mean, some people have kind of essentially said, all right, well, this is a trilogy like that's it. But then there there still seems to be that that lingering feeling like what what's next? What's next for the Planet of the Apes, you know? And I'm just kind of like, I I don't know that that there needs to be anything that comes next, yeah. you know? But but that, I, I I do find that kind of odd, you know? Like I I feel like they kind of said all they can say about it, at least in in terms of this particular particular version of it, you know? You know what I what I thought was really interesting was that they're slowly moving more in line towards the original film, like mm. this, with this virus mutation and, yeah. you know, the humans becoming like primitive savages, kind of like what we see in, in the original Prelude of the Apes film. I was like, Oh, that's, that's very interesting. And they're kind of like moving slowly towards that. So like if this is, you know, the end, you know, the final end of, of this cycle of films, like I think I would be okay with that. I mean, where would you go next? Like, would you kind of do, a remake of the original film where you know in in the first film of this cycle there was a little bit of news in the background right. where it said something about the icarus launching and, and that that's you know bright eyes you know that's colonel taylor's ship yeah, yeah. like it was it was just never it was never named the icarus in the original film but i was like oh that's a nice little 
it's either a nice Easter egg or they're setting something they're setting something up for the for the future. And like at the very end of this film, you know, like you know, spoilers, you know, Caesar dies and falls over, and then the camera kind of like pans up towards the sky. Like I was kind of expecting this little like movement of time to where you see like a spaceship kind of like coming down into like what well, I guess what would be the forbidden zone and then it would end. Like that's kind of like what I was expecting there at the end. And then when that didn't happen, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I, well, I don't know. Like, is this the end? Like, is there yeah. anything next? Should yeah. there be anything next? Like, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good film. It's very like, you know, like when, when that character, the bad ape showed up, I was like, I, I don't know about you, bad ape. I think you're going to get on my nerves, but like having watched the film and like having like, you know, had a night to like think about it. Like, I think without that character, the movie, you know, we're kind of like comparing it to like some very depressing films. Right, like, right. but but with that, without the levity of that bad eight character, I think I think it would be like Grave of the Fireflies yeah. level. Yeah. You're just like, oh man, like just I need a drink after this. Well, it's yeah, and, so he, and he comes he comes into it and and kind of gives some much needed levity to to a very kind of dark and grim take on on the future basically and like it's funny because you know i i didn't i i i know like i i don't typically these days try to go out of my way to spoil a movie for myself like if i can avoid spoiling a movie you know whether it's you know some picture on facebook or some you know i don't know uh, write-up of the script or synopsis of the film or whatever. I mean, I, I kind of typically go out of my way to avoid stuff like that. But I, I, in the back of my head, I think it was one of those things where I had seen some article where people were nervously comparing Bad Ape to Jar Jar Binks. You know, like, oh, is this is this character, you know, this comic relief character in the midst of this war-torn, you know, Holocaust you know, internment-esque, you know, like, like I've been saying, you know, it's basically like you've got, you know, you've got Passion of the Caesar, and in the meanwhile, in the background, it's like, go, oh, Misa, think you ain't trouble, Caesar! You know, and like, people were, <laughs> like, you know, worried, like, is that where this is going? Like, because that could really, you know, it, 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 there, you know, it's a fine line to play, right? It's like a, a comic relief character in, in a piece that is supposed to, you know, be, you know, very dramatic and serious and everything. And if you, if you break too much, you know, you may lose that, that kind of investment that people have in the drama, you know, that, that, you know, they, they won't give themselves over so easily because you've now sort of, you know, broken their, their suspension of disbelief and, and, in that sense. And I, I mean, to me, it's, it's funny because I, I think I, I glanced at that article and just kind of thought, you know, I, I basically forgot about it. And then I think the first moment he came up on screen, cause I, I wasn't sure who was in, you know, I mean, obviously, like we said, we're spoiling, but, but I mean, you know, it, when he's first introduced, all you see is, you know, I mean, I guess reintroduced, I guess is maybe a better way to put it. But, you know, you see a character in a parka, you know, and and you're wondering, like, who is this person in the parka? They're not showing the face. And he's he's kind of taking, you know, supplies and, and guns and things from their horses and everything like that. And then, you know, once they finally catch up with them and he's sort of revealed, it's like, oh, it's kind of almost this hairless ape who, you know, was a a... 
you know, denizen of, of the zoo, I guess. And at some point, you know, the virus, you know, was giving him enough intelligence to talk, but he's not quite the erudite, you know, ape that, that most characters in this are. He's more, he's a little kind of brain dead, I guess, or he's, you know, he's, he's a little slow, like he's not quite on top of his game. So, you know, that's partly where the comic relief comes in from, because he, he has different kind of priorities and understandings. It's, it's almost like watching like a, a, a person with maybe kind of a, you know, a, a mental handicap, but also, and it's, it's not so much that like people are laughing at them because of their handicap. It's just, they're 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 finding humor in the the way they view life, you know, like the, basically like, you know, some of the humor comes from the idea that like where, you know, they're first introduced to him and they got the little girl Nova and she keeps playing with I forget, like his his doll or something something that he has lying around that house and and it's kind of like don't touch that don't touch that don't touch that and then finally when when he's kind of like okay well we're gonna go leave to kill this asshole who killed my wife and kid like we're gonna leave now and he's like no 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 stay 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 with me you know like she she can touch that it's okay now she can she can play with that it's hers actually like she can have it you know like and so it's just the like that kind of stuff I think was much needed levity in terms of of you know the the kind of subject matter you're dealing with which you know like i said is is pretty heavy you know but i i i think like some of the stuff that kind of i i don't know if it rubbed me the wrong way it just seemed like this film really did seem like it was leaning towards trying to make those those direct tie-ins to the original movie or at least they're they're desperately trying to make nods to it you know it's like it's like it felt like 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 you're saying like you you expected there to be kind of like the the only logical thing that can come after this movie is either the original movie or a remake of the original movie and i think you know for me like like it was kind of a groaner for me because the little girl who is mute and cannot talk and has this this you know second mutation of the virus that you know, helped wipe out humanity and let apes talk is now mutated to the point where it is now turning, I guess, you know, humanity as we know it, you know, people who can speak and think and, you know, understand, basically, it's it's now sort of reverting those human beings to mute and and eventually, I presume, you know, sort of dumb animals, you know, and and that's that's kind of where they're leaning towards. And so, you know, they find this little girl. She is one of the mute little girls, although she doesn't seem that dumb. You know, it seems like she's communicating with with, you know, she starts to learn sign language. She starts to learn words like thirsty and, you know you know, apes strong together and all that kind of stuff, you know, the, the kind of sign language, which you cannot really show on a podcast, but yeah, you know, hopefully people that have seen this kind of know what I'm talking about. And I, I don't know, dude, it, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but like the whole, like her name's Nova and he hands her the fucking Chevy Nova fucking bumper from the car. I was just kind of like, I don't know. That was like a super groany. Like I, I don't know if I'm yeah. a grumpy old man, but I was just like, <laughs> this. 
that sucks. Like, that's so dumb. Like, I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Like, like it's, it's so, it, it was, it, it's like, you know, like, like Mike always brings up, it's that moment at the end of Dark Knight Rises where they're like, what's your name? Well, my real name is Robin. My name's <laughs> Robin. You know, like, like nobody's going to get who this guy is, right? And it's just like, I felt like it was one of those moments where it's like, we are going to name you Nova after this fucking car. And I was just like, Nova's not named after a car. <laughs> names are Nova because it's a fucking constellation or a space thing or some shit because he's a goddamn astronaut. He didn't name her after a car. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. I just, uh, that, that was, that was one know. of those things where I was like, I, I didn't like that. And there, there, are, there are things like that throughout this that come up where I'm like, they're starting to encroach on the whole, I guess, you know, those, those militaristic, uh, humans from like battle of the planet of the apes and things like that. You know, like that, that, that's what those guys at the end kind of reminded me of that. We're trying to invade a uh, crazy Woody Harrelson's bunker and all that stuff. And, um, you know, so anyway, I mean, you know, that's, that's, I, I think that was the, one of the main things I wanted to get off my chest that I, I kind of thought like all the, internment stuff was very much you know passion of the caesar and is pretty heavy and and again you know war for the planet of the apes and passion of the caesar are like two different movies and maybe it should have been called like passion of the caesar or something along those lines instead of war for the planet of the apes because there, there's not really a war i mean the, the other thing that i feel pretty strongly about is caesar should have fucking let that fucking asshole die in the beginning because that totally like fucked him through like the whole fucking movie so it, it's funny you mentioned all the um, kind of irritating callbacks to the original film because, like, I watched the movie with an old friend of mine, and he's a huge Apes fan, too. And uh, as soon as we walked out, he was just like, geez, man, how many, like, nods and Easter eggs were there to, like, the original film? I was just like, yeah, that was that was a little bit much because, I mean, there there are little, like, nods sprinkled into the other films and things, but, like, not – yeah, I feel like felt, not I mean, it this did, level. Yeah, it's not just me, right? I mean, it did feel like really overdone in this movie, right? Like, I mean, because I, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, maybe there's some nods in the previous ones, but not like, not not that big, you know? Like, I don't know. And like a, another thing that I was kind of expecting is at the very end when that other army comes in, you know, you, you see them approaching and they're covered head to toe. Like you never see what they look like. And I was kind of like, is this going to be like another ape army? Cause you know, bad ape was affected outside of like Caesar's group and Caesar was kind of, they were kind of, dis they discussed that like very briefly. Mm -hmm. It's like a throw line. So I was like, Oh, this is going to be like another ape army and they're going to join up and you know, they'll get out of the forbidden zone or the desert or whatever. But like you, you never see what's under there. And I was like, well, I don't think they were they were walking like humans as best I can remember. Yeah, I kinda, so I, I, I kinda took it as like if they ever did take off their masks, maybe they'd start looking all irradiated like the you know you know as I reveal innermost self. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I thought I definitely thought they were reveal my innermost self folk, you know, or at least the, the, the precursors to those folk, you know, I mean, the, the, the one thing that, I mean, it, it's funny because the, these, this series of films, right, it's got the most, 
kind of Christopher Nolan-esque, you know, Batman Begins, like, we're going to make this a very grounded, realistic version of how the Planet of the Apes could occur, you know, and I'll, I'll even go to bat for this movie, too. I mean, they're, they're, they try their best to make this grounded thing of, oh, you know, guess what? The virus mutated, and that's why, you know, humanity's starting to turn dumb and mute and everything, and, and you know, you're, you're just kind of like, okay, fine, like, I, I, I get that, I appreciate that. What What's funny to me is all this hyper sort of grounded realism, but nobody ever really deals with, like, how, how did it go from, I mean, if humanity is already turning mute and everything, like, who sets off the fucking nukes, man? Like, I mean, I'm just like, shouldn't shouldn't the nukes have happened, like, a long fucking time ago? Like, I don't yeah. know, like, like it, it seems like it can't possibly, I mean, if you really, if you really start to think about it, if you really want it to line up with the original movie, it doesn't, right? But yet, there are all these kind of half-assed efforts to kind of go look see remember that old movie like and, and then like or or like i guess even even jeremy johns had that moment and i feel like we all had that moment when and you can you can confirm with me if you did or didn't but that moment where you go caesar's son that lived is named cornelius like and you're just kind of like is that the cornelius and you're like, no, it can't be the Cornelius. There's no way it could be the Cornelius. That doesn't even make any sense. But then it's like, well, then who is he? Is he is he like Cornelius's great 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 grandfather Cornelius, who's also named Cornelius? You know, like I don't I don't know. You know, like so, you know. And then it's like, what did did Nova get named after Nova when? And then Taylor knew that her great 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 grandmother, who was Linda Harrison, should also be named Nova because. He found a Chevy Nova fucking car handle on her, like, you know, loincloth or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know. So, like, the the Caesar Cornelius naming thing doesn't bother me at all because, like, in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, like, that Caesar, that version of Caesar, his son is also called Cornelius. Yeah, that's but that, true. That's, that's true. You're that's right. That's thousands right. of years before You're the right. original film. So I just, I just kind of thought, you know, let's – Maybe that's just like a family name or, yeah. or something, you know, it's like, You're oh, right. this is Caesar the Fourth or something. So like that that little nod didn't that didn't bother me at all. But I kinda I mean, I don't know. Are you are you but since in that other film though, since the timeline has changed, are you are you supposed to think it's just an ancestor that's also named Cornelius? Or are you supposed to think because Cornelius and Zero went back in time with Taylor's ship and then did the escape conquest timeline change that by battle now that's it coming full circle and it is the Cornelius, but just in a different timeline. I don't know. Anyway, stuff to make your head explode. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, that, that could easily just be a, a, another ancestor who, you know, Cornelius is a family name and they, they pass it on down and everything like that. Yeah, that that's totally valid. And you know, Nova is is a family name that they passed down. We sign language and stuff. Sometimes they're named after a constellation, and sometimes they're named after a freaking a freaking hood ornament. But you know, whatever. whatever. It's a good thing it wasn't like a you know from like a John Deere tractor or something. They'd be like, <laughs> "Your name is John Deere." It's like you are named, you know, Suzuki. <laughs> You know, it's like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
I guess my final say would be I, I really enjoyed it, but you know, like I said previously when we started discussing this, like it's it even though I enjoyed it, it's not something I'm gonna sit down and want to revisit. Like you know, even like once a year, maybe like you know, sometimes I'll get a hankering and I want to sit down and watch the original Planet of the Apes films or. Or I want to watch like all the James Bond films or Lord of the Rings or something like maybe maybe in that kind of mindset where I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to sit down and watch these three eight films like I probably would watch it like that. But but yeah, like I even even though I liked it and enjoyed it, like I just I just don't see myself revisiting it that often just because it's so heavy. Yeah, I, I concur with you. I don't I don't think I it's something I, it's almost something where I, I feel like like the way I, I do things today, I might end up buying the Blu-ray and it'll just stay in the shrink wrap like for years and years and years until I get like the the urge to maybe watch all three movies or or, you know, maybe, you know, buy it and then show it to somebody who hasn't seen it, you know, but otherwise I yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I don't I don't see any reason to you know, revisit the movie anytime soon. But, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to say I didn't become engrossed in the film, you know, cause I did. I just think some of those things I mentioned, you know, kind of took me out of the engrossment. And then, you know, there, there, there were things like with the whole, you know, donkey stuff, you know, where you just got to like, okay, this is a little weird, you know, but like, I get it. Like, you know, there's, there's lots of sort of, subtext and and commentary that that go you know and it 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 kind of harkens back to you know kind of the context of some of those original films how they also had their own you know sets of subtext and everything so i mean it does carry over into a modern context obviously and you know like i said i think i think my final say would just be that you know i i think a testament to this film series is that somebody like me who's an avid kind of I'm I'm not going to say I'm a naysayer of CGI, but I I, I will say it's very, in my lifetime, it's been very easy to spot the difference between CGI and and reality. And I'm not saying that this is like, oh my God, I thought it was like a real ape or whatever. But what I'm going to say is that I was I was so invested in the actions and I think that's a testament to to not only, you know, like Andy Circus playing the role but also, you know, the the you know, all the special effects that went hand in hand with it. And I think it's a combination of all those things that, you know, just made it a really compelling performance and I I don't think I once thought about what went into making that. You know, I I sort of just immersed myself in that reality so in that sense i i think that was you know obviously expertly done and you know for just on that alone you know it's like it's probably worth a look but but like you said it does deal with some heavy subject matter and it is something that you definitely have to be in the right frame of mind to kind of i i, I it sounds bad but i'm like the right frame of mind to endure you know, like, like you sort of, you sort of have to kind of, you know, be willing to, to, to travel and traverse along with these characters. And, you know, it's like whether it's, you know, Caesar going down a, a road of vendetta, you know, which is a little more easy for me to swallow than some other things. But, you know, that, then there's, you know, uh, different avenues, you know, redemption and kind of how he's almost like a Moses type figure leading his people to a promised land and, you know, all, all this kind of other stuff and, and like, you know, he's almost in some sense a 
you know, a, a religious figure, you know, so, so there, there's a lot of things that, that kind of, a lot of subtext that plays into the, the film and everything. But again, like, like you're saying, it's nothing I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting, but, but I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not upset that I, I spent the time to, to check it out. Yeah. And, and, um, if they do make another film, there's one thing I've been wanting to see since the original film series, and it's kind of like weird and goofy, but like I want to see like an ape flying like a jet. Mm. Like I think that would be cool. <laughs> or piloting a tank. We we got to get those those uh, cartoon apes, like you know, so we, we got a real gorilla driving a jeep and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 sounds like it'd be cool. All right. Well, I mean, I I guess that kind of wraps up our our talk on Planet of the Apes. I think since this was a proper show, were were we going to discuss some awesome things in our world this week? Yes, let's. All right. This is, I guess, in tandem with the awesome things of the week. But I sort of want to mention, because this episode will probably air a lot sooner than any other episodes, that we have been getting a lot of nice feedback recently, and we'll probably read some of those emails and, and posts and Facebook things and, and all that kind of stuff maybe on the actual shows that they're reflected on as opposed to the proper show but i, I did sort of want to like just kind of give some people shout outs that that have chimed in on some recent episodes whether it's like ruth and darren sutherland from warlord worlds xenozoic xenophiles and trekker talk left us some nice feedback and comments on our Big in Japan podcast where we talk about anime. And then, of course, our good buddy Mike Prime has been listening to a lot of shows that we've been doing and leaving us positive feedback and encouragement. And there's a, a fellow over on my DeviantArt page, Subjub, who also uh, frequently listens to a lot of podcasts and everything and has given us some suggestions for Big in Japan and kind of chimed in on some of the recent episodes as well. So, uh, you know, I think if, if those folks listen to all the different shows, at least they'll know, you know, this one will get released a little sooner than the others, but I, I'm sure we'll we'll go into some of the specific emails on the, the episodes that they relate to and the, the shows that they relate to as they come. But I sort of felt like giving shouts out to those folks and, and kind of including that as part of like awesome things. Cause we, we do appreciate getting feedback and, and, and positive kind of, you know, uh, write-ups and, and, and contributions and kind of participation, you know, within listening to the shows and everything. But, um, I guess I guess I I want to ask you like what's what's your awesome thing this week, Justin? Well, I'm sure longtime listeners will not be surprised if I say it's a book because it's totally a book. It is called The Red Queen by Philippa Gregory, and this is kind of a historical, uh, f you know, fictional novel. It's about uh, Margaret Beaufort, who is the mother of Henry the Seventh, and this is basically about her life and. How at the age of 12, she was married off to this guy because she, you know, back then, if you were a boy, you know, if you were a male, you were seen as the you know, the continuation of the family line. But if you were uh, a girl, you were just kind of treated as like, oh, it's a girl. We, well, we can't like train her to be a soldier. She can't own property. So we'll just, we'll try and marry her off to someone with a royal lineage or someone in power or something. And that's kind of, 
that's kind of the, the situation she finds herself in at an early age. Like she, she feels like she has like a, this calling to be involved in the church, but she's not allowed to do that because she's married off at uh, the age of 12 and then her husband dies. And then I think she gets married like three times over the course of her life. And, you know, she's constantly struggling against, you know, this kind of perception that you know because she's a woman she she i guess as they would say like an old movie like you know you don't have a you don't have a thought in your pretty little head or something like that but it's kind of interesting to see like how she's kind of constantly scheming to try and get her son onto the throne and she kind of like struggles with this scheming because she tries to like be you know uh, a woman devoted to uh, to God and Christianity and stuff like that. So she's kind of struggling with you know all this kind of like political backbiting and you know ha- ordering people to be killed so that her son can advance to the throne. She's kind of struggling with that. And even though it's historical fiction, it is like very well researched by the author. Like she kind of gives you. Uh, whenever she does a, a novel like this, and I've read several, several of her novels, she gives you like notes or annotations in the background. She's like this, you know, this these little character moments, like they're totally made up, and this thing that happened, we don't know if it happened or not, but I'm going to assume it did, and, and all that. And like I, I, I really enjoy these novels because it's kind of filling in, you know, even though it's fiction, it's kind of like filling in the gaps in some of this, uh, you know, the War of the Roses. Uh, history that i find really fascinating so that is my awesome thing of the week cool cool and then is this i mean is this something that people can get now is it an older book or is it something? yeah it's, yeah, it's older it's like okay. a 2010 novel okay. i believe okay cool cool all right so for for me it will come as no surprise to our listeners that mine is not a book but I, I do need to give props and major thank yous to Doug Franklin over on the Botox forums. I don't know if he wants me to say that or not, but uh, it is Majilf. Like Majilf totally hooked me up. He went to San Diego Comic Con this year, and so I don't have to hover around the Hasbro Toy Shop F5 button like for a day or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> weeks on end, yeah. like trying to get the stupid ass San Diego Comic Con Marvel Legend set. So he had mail. He got a an extra set there, and he mailed it to me. I got it. It was waiting for me when I came home Friday night. So super cool and it's it's pretty awesome that he he hooked me up with that major solid so much much love and thanks and that pretty much is my my awesome thing for the week um i guess if people want details about it without getting too detailed you know not like a figure that segment or anything but you know it the thor set has uh it's got uh you know spoilers it's uh jane foster lady thor it's got the Odin son with the beard and the, the metal arm and all that good stuff from the Jason Aaron run. It's got Malekith, the kind of Walt Simonson comic book design version of Malekith, not the uh, Eccleston Doctor Who version of, of Malekith from the movies. It's got uh, Ulick, the troll, who is a pretty cool figure, but he he does use those abomination legs, which I'm not I'm not a huge fan of from that build a figure. But I mean, otherwise, it's it's pretty awesome to have uh, uh, Ulick, the troll figure in in plastic form. And then uh, yours, mine, everybody's favorite character that they were so demanding, like everybody was demanding it. It's Thor's great grandfather, Bor. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Nobody was demanding it, but uh, he's in the set. He's there. He's he's a cool figure, and uh, yeah. So so basically, like it's it, he did me a major solid. So thanks again, and. I think that pretty much wraps up the show. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. This is our proper fanholes podcast show where we pretty much talk about anything under the sun. If you have enjoyed listening to the proper show, of course, we encourage you to check out all the spinoff shows. We, you know, of course, have weekly content. So we've got Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays. Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them, and Big in Japan, where we talk about anime. So if you've liked listening to the proper show, please check out all the spinoff series and shows. And, of course, we appreciate all the likes and feedback, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the notes, all the hearts, all the retweets, all that good stuff. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. Fanholes, <coughs> strong together. Signing off. And this is Justin. Bossa Nova. <laughs> uh, Chevy Nova? <laughs>
strong together. And it's like this whole, you know, ah, you know, and it's this great thing and everything. But I swear, like half the time they said that, I, I was getting flashbacks of Congo where it was like, Amy, good gorilla. <laughs> Amy, good gorilla. And I'm just going to like, all right, all right. Amy, sad. <laughs> yeah. Amy, sad. I'm like, all right, all right, Amy. All right, you're, you're Amy, strong together. All right, Amy, whatever, whatever, Amy. I think like a fun callback for me would have been like if Caesar had just like jumped up and like said like now fight like apes like you know his original incarnation like I would have been like oh that's cool but we didn't get that no we got we got uh, Chevy Nova <laughs> Bossa Nova 